Hi, everybody. I'm Liz Nord, and you're listening to the No Film School podcast. It's a good thing that the No Film School podcast has a parental advisory, because this week we're going straight into NC-17 territory to discuss a film that opens with the close-up shots of a reverse pile driver. Google it when you're not at work. The film in question isn't porn. Or is it? I get into that debate with the film's co-directors, Josephine Decker and Zephry Thrall, along with Ashley Connor, the DP who filmed them having sex, and many other intimate circumstances. Their collaboration is Flames, which premiered as the opening documentary at this year's Tribeca Film Festival. But whether or not the film might constitute a porn is not the only question at hand. Flames is also part of the ever-growing canon of artfully created doc-fiction hybrids that leave audiences unsure about what's real and what's not. In this case, even the co-directors disagree about whether or not the film is fictional or not in its portrayal of the real-life relationship between Josephine and Zephyr, and that relationship's dramatic demise, which lasts many years longer than the actual relationship did. And the film is about a lot more than sex. In Josephine's words, it asks, how do you recover when someone breaks your heart? I spoke with Josephine and Ashley, who also collaborated on Josephine's previous feature films Thou West Mild and Lovely and Butter on the Latch, and Zephyr, for whom Flames is a feature debut, the day after their Tribeca premiere, about the line between porn and art, what happens when you add a third person and their camera to your relationship, and how they all managed to make a cinematic-looking film on the 5D, plus so much more. So I am going to start by asking you so that our audience can familiar familiarize themselves with your voices. What's your name and what's your role in the project? Ashley Connor, the cinematographer. I'm Josephine Decker, co-director and uh, star. (laughs) I'm Zephyr, director, and uh, I'm just supporting cast. He's the star. He's the biggest star. He's like the supernova. Everyone's a star here. We can all agree on that. Yeah. Um, so, our you know our listeners are filmmakers, and many of us have had premieres, and premieres are always nerve wracking. But in your case, last night was the premiere. It was wonderful, well received. But your moms were both in the audience, and they saw you having sex and doing other things on screen that, like, wait your, a minute, your moms might not. Did know my mother see. see me having sex? Is that a spoiler alert? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm assuming it's the first time that that's happened. Well, I mean, I've had sex with my mother before, but never on screen. Good thing we have that explicit rating on the No Film School podcast. <laughs> Anyhow, so the question is, how did you prepare your you know, people close to you to see that stuff in public? And then what was it like to have it seen? I told everyone, don't come. <laughs> no, I think I just was like... I, I put caution in most of my emails when people were like, oh, your film's coming out. I'm really excited to see. And I was like, just so you know, it's too much of me and you will see way too much. You might not even want to be my friend afterwards. So um, in a way, it went way better than expected because I think I still have friends. What about your mom? My mom was shockingly cool about it. She was she was like, uh She's like, I grew up in the 60s. I've, I know what this is like, you know? And, and it was the best, her best line of the night was, I, I think your dad really might have liked this. And I was like, 
My my dad would have hated seeing this movie. <laughs> there is no way. Your your mother did pull me aside and say that she was glad your dad didn't see it. Oh, oh, that's good. for my sake. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I could see that. Well, it's funny because um, years ago when we started shooting it, and I remember it was going to play at MoMA, and we had shot the first thing up was you guys having sex. And I remember just telling my mom and being like, hey, mom, so this movie's going to exist. They're really having sex, but it's playing at MoMA. It's like an art film. It's cool. It's not porn. It's an art film. And she was like, okay, I'm never going to see it. <laughs> like, thanks, mom. Well, Zafra, I want to hear what your mom had to say, but actually that brings up an interesting, an interesting question. Like, is it porn? How do you define that? I mean... They're all, it's all simulated sex. Oh, you're, you're going to say that. <laughs> um, I will say that uh, my mother, right, she's a hippie. She was raised, you know, she grew up in San Francisco and uh, nothing shocking there, right? Everybody has sex. There's almost 8 billion people. They're screwing all the time and they're having babies left, right, and center. So uh, this was one of the things Josephine and I really, um, we talked about early on in the process is trying to make a movie that reflects reality, right? Like, why the cutaway all the time? What the hell is going on, America? Get over it, you know? Well, you know, and it's funny, because, like, okay, how do you find porn right now? I, I stopped watching Game of Thrones after the episode where, like, the king starts, like, like he starts asking the two prostitutes to like stab each other or something and I was like that to me is like a much more pornographic uh situation than this like creating a world where pretty much like sex and boobs and violence like are the things that are selling your television show I mean I think Game of Thrones got eventually got better but I had I didn't know because I I really did it really turned me off and I think um then to make a film where we're actually dealing with a real relationship, being ourselves, being vulnerable, um, I guess that just, it's, it's hard to put that in the same category as porn because it's, um, I mean, sure, Zephyr likes to exploit people, but <laughs> I don't think that this film is like a product of exploitation. I think it was actually a product of vulnerability and a search for something really honest. And also I think that the sex scenes in the film are about pleasure in a lot of ways and framed that way, not just visually, but like framed for your pleasure. And I think that the scenes that are more difficult for me to watch is like you guys hitting each other. And that to me like strikes a different chord than like a couple who's in love having sex and like a celebration of bodies, which I think is what the film kind of does. I mean, it does open with what I learned is a reverse pile driver. Right, which Josephine was not happy about. I mean, uh, we are an educational site, so it's I good like that our listeners are learning terms like, can you describe <laughs> this <laughs> position? Google it. Google it. Google it, listeners. Uh. Anyhow. <laughs> Um, so I actually could spend this entire time talking about the sex scenes because it is really fascinating, but that's oh, not, shall we? well, it's not what I'm focusing on, but since we're already there, I will, I will ask, you know, Josephine, you said things are simulated. Then there are scenes where Ashley obviously is filming. There are scenes where it seems as though you are filming yourself. So what, how, what is the deal with the sex scenes? Are they 
real? Did they happen in real time? Did I'm they happen gonna, in different ways? I'm going to set the tone here for the whole day, which is that I think it's important uh, in the realm of filmmaking. <laughs> um, uh, well, for instance, I've been in fictional films where... Uh, where the sex was supposed to be simulated and then like all of a sudden I'm asked to have real sex on camera. Um, and I guess what I'll say about the sex scene is that I think that we, we'd made them in a really safe, comfortable way. Um, and, uh, I think the question of like, are they real? Are they simulated is one that I think that's for the audience to like, does it feel real? Does it feel simulated? And I think that that's like probably more interesting. I mean, you saw the movie. Does it look like we're having sex? Definitely looks like you're having sex. What I wasn't sure of was, again, like, did you set up a camera somewhere and film yourselves? Was there another person or a crew really? in the room? I have to, I have to give a very clear and, um, and straightforward endorsement of my favorite cinematographer in the world, Ashley Connor, who uh, really, um, yeah, she journeyed with Josephine and I for a long time and uh, really into the most intimate possible waters that you can journey with other people, right? Well, almost. <laughs> and, uh, and so, I mean, Josephine and I in the middle of um, you know, very tender moments, very intimate moments, Ashley right there with the camera, you know? So a lot of times it does feel like, uh, does feel like maybe it was on a tripod or something, but I mean, that was Ashley's steady hand. But but there are a few setups that you guys, I think, did alone, which I think adds to the friction of the film and, like, this reality versus reenactment versus performance. And I think that that's what's really interesting. And even for me watching last night, I was like, oh, I did that. I did not do that. And um, it's very exciting to feel the presence of somebody and then to suddenly feel the absence of them and what that means visually for a film to touch on in such a subtle, sensitive way that's like, when are you guys alone and when are you not? And if there's a camera present, are you ever really alone? And I think that this is kind of what the film is and why it's important. So it's a really... It's funny because this is the, those are questions that I never expected to come up or like I really didn't even think about them when we were editing the film. It was more like you, you edit for emotion and for like how is this like how are the sex scenes also telling the story of the relationship? Um, and uh, and and to me, it's actually kind of amazing that whether you were in the room or not in the room, there's there's a surprisingly similar like playfulness to all of the sex scenes in a way. Um, or at least most of them, which is nice that, I don't know that we changed that much, you know, but for, from when you were in the room to when you weren't. For better or worse for you. <laughs> it wasn't that much of a difference, yeah. I'm still a virgin, by the way. I never had sex with this woman. Mm, I've heard that one before. Um, so uh, this all leads up to this question that you must get asked, or that you probably will get asked again and again by the press about, what is real, what is not. And I, I don't want to sort of give spoilers, so I don't want you to give away specifics on that, but I was intrigued during the Q&A that I think it was one of the festival programmers said that when you were asked whether the film was a doc, is a doc, or is a narrative, one of you said doc and the other said narrative. So I'm curious who said which and why. Um, <clears throat> we, this is something we talk about a lot. Uh, both with other people, but particularly with ourselves, right? And um, 
perhaps we'll reach consensus today. Perhaps today's the moment. Um, I consider it a, a documentary, um, and this generally boils down to the idea that I think that on the screen, I am me, right? This is as Zephyr as Zephyr gets. Um, I can't speak for Josephine because I'm not her. Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, on for a long time, I think I was like, this is definitely not real. This is so Zephyr's like, you know, imagined vision of how our relationship went and what happened. And, um, you know, and there were definitely some scenes which are pretty staged. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, most of it is a doc, you know, and the things that aren't straight up documentary are reenactments. And then, um, and there's this thing that happens too, I think when you make a documentary, even when you're dealing only with real subject matter, um, like, you know, people that you're shooting in their real lives, which is that you get into the edit room and you're like, you know, okay, so this thing happens three months later than that thing, but to make the edit work, let's just put it before, you know, as lead up. I mean, you really, like, um, I think there are journalists who are really serious about like telling a story in the order that it happened, but I think a lot of independent feature length documentaries are, I think, a, a space where you're trying to tell a story that's gripping from beginning to end. So um, I actually don't know that our film is that different from the way that you would adjust a documentary to give you the most um, like bang for your buck, I guess. Um, <laughs> bang. <so> bang. <laughs> Good point. So I guess I've kind of come around. I think it actually might be a documentary, but... I actually feel like their term docu-art hybrid is the most on way of putting it. Well, no, I think it's funny because I think I kind of had a slightly outsider perspective during the shoot. And the way I've kind of been talking about it is like, I knew from the first night I met you guys that like this was going to go down, like kind of sink in a certain way and maybe that was going to be a spectacular sink but it was like really you knew this yeah this is crazy you you knew the arc of the relationship from the beginning for sure but also but (laughs) but the way that I say it how what did you see (laughs) there's I mean we haven't I mean the first night we were shooting for okay that we were shooting for 36 hours straight Yes, in that's that person's right. apartment, yeah. you guys showed up. We went on a walk, and you were like, "I'm in love with this man." And I was like, "Oh, great! And how long have you guys been dating?" And you're like, two weeks." <laughs> <laughs> but it, but really, like throughout the shoot, it was like us in the Maldives. It was a lot of me being like, "You guys would be like, okay, you're not shooting this." And then I'd walk away and I'd go with Roxanne, who did sound and was your assistant, and we'd like go and tan or like go and swim. And then we'd come back and we'd like do a scene. And then if there was too much tension, you guys would be like, and you're not filming this. And like you guys would walk away. (laughs) You know, the funny thing is, I don't remember any of that. I remember fighting for the camera, but I don't remember forcing you to go away when we were going to have a real fight. Well, no, but my, my only thing is like, I think that. It's a documentary in the sense that you guys were in love. You were so in it. You were so committed to the vision. And regardless of, like, if I thought there was a performative aspect to it, talking to you guys later on in therapy, it was like, you did not. 
And that's a really important distinction. And I remember like piping up a few times and being like, but didn't you see this? And like, you both didn't, which is beautiful and what love is, is not seeing the flaws in your partner, especially during that magical first couple months. And I think watching the film last night was really emotional in a way that's like, this is a visual diary for all of us. And seeing how much art you guys created together was like very inspiring. And in a long-term relationship, it's like, it's very hard to sustain two creative minds and to challenge each other to grow and evolve. And I thought that was a good aspect to it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, no, that's really fascinating. So then like, how did you as a couple draw on the line about what you would cover or what you would have filmed and what you wouldn't? Like, did you make those decisions together? If something started to get weird, did you have to stop and go, let's stop this argument for a minute and decide whether or not we should continue filming? Or did it happen more organically than that? I think that we, uh, man, Ashley Connor blowing the doors off the conversation early. Okay. Just so you know, like we have not talked about this, what she just said before. So, okay. Um, we've tried to film everything. Right. I mean, if you're interested in knowing someone else, right, from kind of their dark, darkest pillow talk to um, their O face to uh, what they look like when they're yelling at you because they hate you and they never want to see you again. All of that is in this movie. Right. There are no boundaries for that. Um, how we got there, though, was a bit of a wandering path often, um, you know, whether or not we would shoot something the first time or we'd hit it the second time and amp it up. Right. That was um, some choices that we did make that way. Well, and it's interesting to hear you say that because actually, for me, it was really like sculpted. Like we had some scenes that we planned and we shot those scenes and I didn't feel like we shot everything in our relationship. Like we shot this recreation of a sex scene that happened really early in our relationship. And then we shot this strip poker thing that also was like kind of us me feeling challenged and frustrated and maybe slightly exploited or manipulated by Zephyr's art. And then we recreated that scene so that we could, um, in a way process it more. And then, and then we went to the Maldives and that was kind of when I think it, things fell, fell apart partly because we weren't setting them up anymore. Like it wasn't like a recreation. It was like, we went to the Maldives and we didn't know what was going to happen. And then we're just filming us being ourselves with each other and that ironically, that was kind of when it started to go sour. But it's you know what I think is interesting about Zephyr saying we tried to shoot everything, we shot everything in our whole relationship. Like, and also I heard you say last night, like the first two weeks, we just kept shooting around the clock. And I was like, no, we did. I don't think we did. But no, but when we started filming, we only shot the short in two weeks, so we shot everything. I mean, went down to D.C. We were shooting alone in the bedroom. We were shooting everything. Not when we started dating but when we started shooting the short. But isn't that like the conversation for all documentaries is that like you can't physically shoot everything and you try to, but at the end of the day, you're going to edit it. And that's what's kind of like fascinating about the movie is like time sort of slips away. And I think it's like there are times that there are plenty of times that there was not a camera on you guys and we don't know what those moments were. And I think that that's where that question comes up is like what's happening in front of the camera versus behind it, because what's behind it, we'll never know. So I think actually one of the, for me, most successful parts of the film is 
after we break up, there's kind of a montage of us, the art that we made after we broke up and of, of us making art sort of as as a way to process. And the funny thing is that like, when Zephyr says like, we shot around the clock, we shot everything. Like I never had that perspective because I had a filmmaker's perspective. Like you set up a shoot and you go and you shoot it and then you have your life, you know? But Zephyr is a photographer and he's also like a street photographer. He really does have a camera on him at all times and he grabs it out and he'll shoot anything. And I think that's actually one of the biggest strengths of the film is that there is so much material. And Zephyr, that moment that I feel like is probably the most emotionally powerful of the film, which is like, how do you recover when someone breaks your heart? What do you, what do you do then? Um, it's funny because like, I mean, we had no, that wasn't a, we didn't plan to make art, you know, and the irony, and also I, I think that part of the movie really didn't work for a long time. It was like, what's the end of the second act? Um, and then Zephyr went to pick up a hard drive. I, for, there was something that you needed to get from me on a hard drive. And I ended up bringing him like a giant hard drive that also had all these documentation. You did not bring it. I had to go pick it up. Okay, you had to pick it up. Thank you, good point. Um, we had to pick up a hard drive of, and, and it, but it had everything. It had all these performances I'd been making and it had um, the rehearsals that I've been doing for my next film. And then all of a sudden he comes, shows up with this cut that includes everything on that hard drive. He didn't ask. He just put it all in the movie. And it's kind of what made the movie work, actually. So um, I don't know. I think that that's one of the things. It's funny because like when you when you say we shot, we tried to shoot everything and I'm like, oh, no, we didn't. I think actually one of the strengths of the film is that you did try to shoot everything and you actually tried to include everything. And you and what happened is you told a story that was like a lot bigger than the things that we could have shot when we were together, which was actually, you told the story of like our lives. There's, I will just say that unfortunately some material, right, any movie, there's hundreds of hours of footage, right? But you gotta cut it. And one of the things that didn't make it is Josephine singing Lady Gaga's Bad Romance. Right, just belting it out of the park. And uh, on stage, red lights, the whole works, an accordion band behind her. And um, it makes me sad to this day that that's not in that movie. It I makes feel me like wish I, we still had DVD special features. I feel like I got bullied um, in by you guys because you were like, you'll never get the rights. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I wish that uh, Clive Davis was, was uh, able to discover me now. <laughs> I mean, if you want to sing it here on the podcast, you're welcome to. Yeah, I'm not actually a great singer, but I could really improve. Oh, go caught in a bad romance. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's the trailer. The trailer. Um, okay, so, wow, we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, we, we got lost in the woods there. This is great. This is great. <laughs> so back to this idea of, like, what's performative and what's not. So some things were recreated, clearly. Now I understand that a little better. Um, but I'm also wondering just, like, from this idea of documentary, you know, Josephine, you were saying, of course, in documentary you edit and you end up manipulating things. You just have to because you're not going to have a 200-hour documentary. But in your case, did you two things. One is, did you guys ever do do-overs? Like, in a real scene, not a recreation, but like, say you're having a fight Multiple and then you're like, you mean, yeah. that fight wasn't as cool as it could have been. Let's have our fight again. Did you do that? And conversely, Ashley, did you ever sort of direct them from behind the camera to do something different, even though it's real life in real time? Definitely. 
Ashley, uh, there's a phone booth scene that, uh, oddly enough, looks like more like a movie than the rest of the scene. Shot, reverse shot. Right? <laughs> because there's three different takes of it. Um, but it feels, uh, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, it just kind of flows like a regular movie. Um, and this is mostly Ashley directing, like, you know, now say it again. Say it, did get that. Say it again. You know? Well, it's funny because... Um like starting day one, which I think kind of set a precedent for the entire shoot. It was like I showed up, I kind of like set up the Zoom, the little baby Zoom recorder, uh, which does a great job for the film, <laughs> like really good sound. <laughs> um, but it also it was like me just kind of walking around and shooting them. And I had obviously worked with Josephine before we had an established relationship and it was like, you're just gonna kind of explore these scenes. But I remember at the end of it, like. I never knew when we were gonna stop or keep going. And so like this whole sex scene transpired. I'm like getting multiple angles. I'm walking around them. I'm getting close. I'm getting far. I'm like falling on the floor, whatever. <laughs> and then finally at the end of it, like Zephyr just kind of looked up and into the lens. He goes, all right, we got it, <laughs> cut. And I and he was like, did you get all the angles? I was like, I guess I got all the angles. And then, <laughs> oh, you did, you did. <laughs> And then we kind of like watched it back and then talked about how we were going to do the bathroom scene. And that was very much like, because I think that visually there, there are scenes that we had an arc with and we had a trajectory and it was like, and we're going to follow Josephine's feet here and then come up. And like, so there was practice to the documentary narrative practice, but at the end of the day, it was like this meta head fuck that's like, and then we're going to get into a fight and then we're going to do it again. And then it's like, and then we're going to have a conversation about it and try something else or not. And yeah, it's a, for me, I'm not really a doc shooter. And so it was like fun to approach the project in a way that's like, well, I missed that, and I missed that forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> which is like a damning thing for a DP, and I think that that's, I get very anxious when I'm shooting and like my back tenses up because when you can't shoot everything, you can't do everything proper or perfectly, and I think for me, that's a difficult thing to wrap my head around, and that's why for documentary, I don't know how to turn off at the end of the day, and for me, like I need kind of specific like and now you're on and now you're off and so it was fun and exciting that way but I'm you know it's very stressful so um I have to ask a couple more technical questions what did you shoot with uh we shot on this great camera called a Canon 5D Mark II um no it's fun it's funny because I've shot Josephine's first two features on it and people are pretty um surprised that they were shot on DSLRs and I just think that if you shoot on them kind of properly and with and you don't shoot for post you shoot with like a look attached up front you can actually get much more interesting footage and you have less move or less space to move around in the color grade but like the camera is so limiting but in that limitation I think it's quite freeing because you can kind of go with the faults of the camera instead of trying to make it do something that it can't. 
And so in that way, it's like, it's a very small camera. I could shoot on the airplane. Yeah, this We could just kind of like walk around. And in the Maldives, there was a lot that was like, that like we, no, no, there was like a lot that like, we were in a different country. We had bought tickets the night before, flown out the next morning. We had no idea what was coming at us. We had no idea where we were going. And it was like, you're going to a Muslim country where like outside of the resorts, you have to be like kind of protected and covered and all this stuff. And so like, we didn't know what the external forces were going to be that would limit us. And for me, I'm not really that comfortable just like walking up to a stranger and like throwing a camera on them. So it was like finding that balance when we arrived there. So like a lot of the stuff is kind of like us trying to figure out our surroundings, the people, the environment. And it's all within the course of like, literally you bought the tickets I Googled the Maldives and we were like, I guess we're going to like this very fancy honeymoon destination that I would never in a million years be able to afford. But suddenly you were bringing me there. So I have to say, I would never have guessed the film was shot on a 5D. And I mean that as a compliment. It really looks cinematic. Yeah. So we always talk about advice on no film school, tips for other filmmakers. And you two have an unusual case in that you were trying to make art as a couple and as a post couple. And I think there are probably a lot of filmmakers out there who are interested in that, me, myself included, but I'm always wary of it. Um, so do you have advice in that particular realm, like collaborating with a romantic partner or even a close friend? Go for it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to talk? Mm-hmm. Okay, go for it. No, you you can start. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say uh, that the only advice I have for other people is um, really to be persistent. Josephine and I fought the entire time. Uh, really, even when we were in love, we were fighting, especially after we broke up and for the years after. And um, the only way the film ever got made was that... Um, there was, you know, persistence. Like the, we both persisted in certain ways. Much easier to give up, right? Much easier to go watch Netflix. Netflix is the biggest trap that ever existed, right? It's this terrible hole that uh, that will destroy any movie you want to make. And then, of course, the oddity is that uh, then you end up showing it on Netflix, right? Right. And then you're ruining some other filmmaker's life because <laughs> they're just stuck in bed watching it. Or maybe you're inspiring them. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> But I would say that uh, right, this idea of, um, of actually caring uh, enough to be uncomfortable, right? My favorite, John Cage, he would always say, comfort is not your friend, you know? And uh, this is really something that I have tried to live with, um, but Jesus Christ, it's hard, right? Because it's much easier to be on the couch. So that's the advice I have. I was thinking how, you know, I really, for so long, didn't think we had a film. And, you know, I really have to say, Zephyr says, be persistent. It was really Zephyr that was very, very persistent in getting this made. I think I, I was ready to let it die. <laughs> um, and I guess maybe one of the things that I learned from watching him make this film and him not having made a ton of films before uh, is, um, you know, I think everyone has their strengths in their art and they also have their weaknesses. And sometimes we hide from our weaknesses or we like we try to run away from them. And I think one of the beauties of this film is that it leans into its weaknesses and they become its strength. You know, we stopped filming. the We stopped making a movie five, almost over five years ago. And yet we 
made a movie. Zephry really made the movie, I think. Um, and I think he did that by saying, okay, the weakness of the film is that we didn't make a film. And now half of the film is kind of about the fact that we didn't. And that's a, and so it's a really beautiful lesson to remember like, oh, your weaknesses can become your strength if you let them. Yeah, a weaker person would have given up a long time ago. And I think like you did not let gear limit you. You didn't let time limit you. And I think that that's something that's really commendable in this situation because making movies is hard and being creative is hard and feeling like something is failing for a long time is very hard. And I think that like that's sort of what felt so good about the premiere last night. It was like a celebration of persistence of vision. And so that's what it is. Keep going. Well, what a great note to end on. Uh, I feel inspired. I'm sure our (laughs) listeners will. And thank you all so much. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you, Liz. That was great. Thank you. Oh, and I do want to say, by the way, that this film, right, uh, was made directly. And this is not a paid statement, okay? This is a real deal. I am a longtime uh, subscriber to No Film School and many tips and tricks and other things I learned uh, directly from No Film School making this uh, damn movie, which, you know, the only way you can tell if it's any good or not is you have to watch it. Well, that means a lot. And I love that you're now paying it forward by giving advice to future filmmakers. So good for all of us. Thank you for listening. You can hear lots of other fascinating conversations on the art of filmmaking by finding the No Film School podcast in iTunes and, of course, by visiting us at nofilmschool.com. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you can catch our Indie Film Weekly News show, which comes out every Thursday morning and fills you in on everything you might have missed when you were busy making films. You can reach me on Twitter at LizFilm, and we are on Twitter at No Film School. See you on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>